Good morning, family. It is good to be with you. For those of you who are online, thank you for joining us as well. If you're on Facebook or our online church, it's a pleasure to be with all of you. Uh, My name is Eddie. I am the lead pastor here at Grace Covenant Church Sterling, uh, and I'm thankful for your participation in worship. Miata, thank you for that encouraging word. I've seen more than a couple squirrels doing that, and I'm I, I'm really kind of surprised. Like, this is the season of squirrels just being super lazy. Um, but th- that's a helpful reminder. As I said, again, thank you for, for being with us, for, for joining us in person. And, and if you're online, thank you for joining us online. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time to get connected, to stay with us, to participate in, in biblical fellowship. And, and we talked about that last week. Um, you know, we were, we were singing this, this song about the powerful name of Jesus, and in Ephesians, uh, Paul refers to Jesus and talks about how he is far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above, it says, every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the age to come. So Jesus and his name, which represents his authority, carries so much weight that it's over every name. And so we, we sing, there's power in the name of Jesus Christ, that he has no rival, that he has no equal, that now and forever we sing this. And, and I just want to encourage you, someone in our, in our church just had a sense, and I, and I agree with him, that, that some of you are coming up against rivals that would either try to distract you from Jesus or would try to uh, rise above your affections for Jesus. And today, as we engage our faith, both in in worship and in singing, you have the opportunity and I have the opportunity of saying, no, Jesus has no rival in my life. Jesus has no equal in my life. And he has no equal in your life. And we can say that with our words and with our life. So I pray that that would be the case today as we engage our, our faith. I've got a few announcements. First of all, Thank you again for for those of you who are online. We are making some changes online to help facilitate a better experience so that you can be more uh, engaged and and encouraged. And so what we're going to do is moving forward and starting next week, we're going to encourage everyone to go to the online.church platform. And if you go to Facebook, you can still go to Facebook and we will have a link to the service. And what that means for you is that you click on that link and it's going to take you to online.church. Now, the reason we're going to do that is because you don't have a, you, you're not required to have an account, and, and initially we, we had done this, we had had Facebook and online church because we were, we were testing out online church and, and weren't quite sure about it, but now we're sure about it, and we want everyone who's joining online to be joining together. And so, starting next week, we're going to be at on online.church, or you can still join us in person. And if you are joining us in person, you can pre-register that means that you can let us know ahead of time that you'll be here, and you can do so by going to gracecov.org slash sterling and, and registering there. It helps us to facilitate uh, a quick uh, check-in, and it's really helpful to us to make sure that we're, we're making an environment that's safe for everyone. So online at church and in person, that's going to be where we're at next week. Um, this Over the last few months, we've been serving with Mobile Hope, and, and to those of you who are uh, have done so and helped us either by serving on the, the food routes or by donating. I want to thank you and let you know that we have been able to take part in serving over 100,000 family members in our community since March 16th. That, that's huge. 
you and your, your generosity has enabled us to care for over 100,000 families who had real needs. Now, this past Saturday, we actually, we delivered bags into some areas in, in Countryside, in Sterling, and the goal of this was we, we delivered empty bags and, and we got permission from the, the homeowners associations and we, we're going to collect those bags and, and hopefully people will provide canned goods, you know, non-perishable items. And so next Saturday we're going to be collecting and we need about 30 volunteers to take part in this effort. Uh, if you can do that, it's going to be from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. this upcoming Saturday. Uh, you, can, you can text outreach to 474747 and they'll, they'll get you connected and make sure you have all the information that you need to take part in that. Again, this is going to be uh, a huge food drive moment that will hopefully allow Mobile Hope to continue to move forward. And that is all my announcements. So last, last week and, and the week before that, we, we were talking about the mission of Grace Covenant Church. And, and the reason we, we were talking about the mission is because if we don't know what the mission is, if we aren't building and moving toward the mission, then we, we don't necessarily have a way of, of knowing if we're succeeding. And so the mission of Grace Covenant Church, Sterling, Chantilly, you know, Korean Church, Spanish Church, uh, the, the mission of Grace Covenant Church is to help people encounter Christ experience biblical community and extend the kingdom and in our case especially along this route 7 corridor again the mission of grace covenant church is to help people encounter christ in a meaningful way bring people to meet jesus christ either through worship or the word small group you know us loving people out of the love that comes from jesus christ experiencing biblical community that means being established in this local church body being in relationship, knowing some people in this church, having some, some relationship skin in the game, either through attending on Sundays and getting to know people here, or uh, being online, or small groups, or service groups, and, and there are a number of ways for you to stay connected and to be in biblical community, but we want people to experience biblical community. And then finally, we want to extend this kingdom. And by the kingdom, I don't mean the kingdom of Eddie Barnes or the kingdom of Brett Fuller or the kingdom of person who's listening to the servant, but the kingdom of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And, and we're going to talk about that today. Uh, we're going to look at what, what really how the kingdom of God grows. So we're going to read out of Luke chapter 5. We've been there for the last two weeks, and this is our last week, I think, uh, that we will be in Luke chapter 5. We're going to read out of verses 27 through 32. So if you could stand with me and read along with me. If you're online, read along. And if, if you, you know, trip, no one's going to notice. All right. Luke chapter 5, verse 27. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast at his house, and there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with the tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. 
I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Let's pray. God, we come to you and we ask that you would give us the grace to receive your word. Lord, we recognize that we are all sinners in need of the righteousness that you provide through your son, Jesus Christ. I pray that you would break down the barriers of self-righteousness and that you would call us all back to following you and that we would willingly follow with abandon, with a single-minded, single focus of being disciples of Jesus Christ. And God, I pray that you would help us to bring others to you in the way that Levi does here. Lord, I pray that we would be able to draw others to you and to share what you've done in our lives with the people that matter to us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. All right, you guys can be seated. You can sit down or do whatever if you're online. As I said, we have been in the, the book of Acts, or sorry, the book of Luke, not Acts, the book of Luke, chapter five, over the last two weeks, and this is the final week there. And two weeks ago, we saw Jesus encounter a, a leprous man, a, a guy who was on the outside of society because of a sickness, because of his, because of his leprosy. And it's very likely that because of his leprosy, people saw him not only as someone who was contagious and had to be outside the camp or outside the, the, the town, but also someone who maybe had some sort of intrinsic sin issue. They, oftentimes in, in Jesus' time, it seems like people associated specific sicknesses with their, their, their nature, whether or not they were in sin or out of sin. And so he was, he was outside the camp and we saw Jesus show compassion and love towards this leprous man, someone who was otherwise uh, an outsider because of the law of Moses. Uh, and not only does Jesus heal him, but he touches him. Now Jesus, as we've seen in, in other stories, maybe you're not familiar, but Jesus does heal people in different ways, and he actually heals other people just by saying a word, uh, bringing, bringing people back from the dead with a word. So he did not need to touch him, but what he was doing in that, in that story was engaging and sharing his love with that guy and bringing him in, taking him from being an outsider to, to saying, I'm willing to touch this man because he is in, he is part of, of the body of Christ the body of, of God's people. Now, last week we saw Jesus heal a disabled man. And in a similar fashion, he was outside. Now, in his case, he was disabled and unable to, to come to where Jesus was teaching. And he was literally outside. They were, they were in a, a house or in a building. And he, uh, this, this, this man and his four friends were unable to get in. And so they actually had to make a way by going to the second floor putting a hole in the roof and, and letting him down. And we see Jesus again, taking someone who was on the outside and bringing him in. And he says, your sins are forgiven. And then he also heals him. And we see that Jesus engages people and he brings them in. And today we're going to see that Jesus will in, engage a different kind of outsider, a guy who's a tax collector, a man whose chosen profession was really hated among the, the Jewish community of that time. So it says in verse 27, after this, he, talking about Jesus, went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at a tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. So Jesus, he's just gotten done ministering or, or we think that this has happened shortly thereafter. And he sees this guy in a tax booth, a toll booth, and, and 
we believe that Levi is, is collecting tolls from people and Jesus says, come and follow me. Now, we have to understand some things about tax collectors and maybe you've, you've studied a bit about this, but I just want to reiterate some things. Rome had levied taxes on the various uh, areas that, that it had ruled over. And the way that they would do taxes is they would, they would allow someone to be a tax collector. Um, basically, they would, they would bid and, and someone would pay for the privilege of being a tax collector. So if you can imagine someone, you know, this guy over here, Bill Smith or whatever, he is able to pay Rome to be a tax collector. But if you know anything about business, you got to make money to pay your bills. And so he's paying Rome, which means that he has to at least collect as much as Rome requires, plus some to cover his own expenses. Now, these regional tax collectors also hired their own lackeys, their own tax collectors. So you had kind of a chief tax collector, and then you had kind of these, these other guys who would do the work for the chief tax collector. And in the same way that there was, a, there was an upcharge with the chief tax collector, there now becomes an upcharge for these individuals. And so you see that you have the Roman tax, and then you have the regional tax collectors upcharge, and then you have these local tax collectors upcharge. And you begin to see that there's some shysty business happening, that, that the communities are not happy about this. And not only this, these local tax collectors were being pulled from the people who were being ruled over by Rome. These were not necessarily Romans coming in, but these were your neighbors, your friends, your family members. And so the, the closest I think I can get to this is imagine an, an IRS worker who is also a mob person a person who works for the mob, and, and, and they are collecting your taxes plus some. And, and they are really treated with impunity. They can't, they are, they are not going to get in trouble. This was the man that Jesus was engaging. This was the man that people would they'd, they'd pass by and, and make angry faces at. And this is the person that the Pharisees were judging. So let's, let's look at how this interaction happens. And I, I read this before, but we're going to read it again. After he went out and saw, sir, after this he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at a tax booth, and he said to him, "Follow me." And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. So we see that that Jesus he engages this guy, and this is an intentional thing. That if you watch Jesus, he's never doing anything uh, on accident or or happenstance or or just allowing circumstance to dictate his. His mission. He's got a plan in place. And in this case, he sees this man who is on the outside for some different reasons than we saw with the leprous man and the, and the crippled man. He is on the outside because he's chosen a profession that is looked down upon, that, that really those individuals are, are considered to be robbers. Not only were they considered, you know, something that, that you didn't want to associate with, but they, they saw this as robbery. And so he calls Levi. And we're going to look at Levi's response to Jesus and the Pharisees' response to Jesus and then Jesus' response to both Levi and the Pharisees. So if we look at Levi's response to Jesus, we see this. He, he says, follow me, in verse 28, and leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And there is, there's a brevity to Luke's language that makes it difficult sometimes to connect with what's happening here. But I want you to imagine that this was a man who built his life really probably on wealth, that built his life on, on this profession that had decided, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn away from these other things. I'm willing to be ostracized from my society for the sake of wealth. 
Or, or maybe there was, maybe he had already been ostracized. He was outside the camp, as it were, and he decided, I'm going to go this way since nobody's with me anyways. But he chooses this profession and he lives a life where he is making money at the expense of those around him. And Jesus comes to him and he says, follow me. And there's something in the call of Jesus Christ and there's something in his own life where he senses a lack that he says, yes, I'm going to do this. And so we see that in a moment, in verse 28, Luke tells us, leaving everything, he rose and followed him. He didn't say, okay, hold on a second. I'm going to take this money. I'm going to put it in an IRA. I'm going to make sure that it's well invested and then I'll come and follow you. He didn't say, hold on a second. I need to make sure that I have all my business in order. I'm going to shut it down and I'm going to come and follow. No, he didn't say, you know, I have to make sure that I've got everything in place and I'm going to take, you know, today's earnings and, and put it in my cash box and put that under my bed. No, he left everything. Now, I'm not saying that he just gave up all his money, but he certainly gave up the means of earning that money. He gave up his, his identity as a tax collector. He gave up his, his benefits and, and he said, I will follow you. He did two things. He, he followed Jesus and then we see that he does something else. Um, he, in verse 29 it says this, Levi made him a great feast at his house and there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table with them. So it's funny that in, in two sentences, Luke tells us uh, this huge story. This man goes and he leaves his profession, he quits his job and he goes and decides to follow him and, and he also decides, I'm gonna throw a feast for Jesus. I'm gonna invite all of my tax collector friends. I'm gonna invite all my sinner friends and we're gonna have a party. He responds with, with unabated enthusiasm. Extending the kingdom of God begins with following Jesus and is as simple as inviting your friends to meet Jesus. We see that, that when Levi begins this process, he follows Jesus. And, and part of, of extending the kingdom is first and foremost extending it in your own life. You can't extend the kingdom out if you haven't extended it in. You can't necessarily extend the kingdom out if you haven't said, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. And Levi, we see, he leaves everything behind. And for, for some of us, we try to, to say, Jesus, I want to follow you, but I also want to, I want to trust in this thing over here. And maybe it's not an explicitly evil thing, but maybe it is. You know, I trust in Jesus, but I also trust in my profession to provide. I trust in you, Jesus, but I need to have this relationship in my life in order to succeed, to feel okay with my life. Or I trust in you, Jesus, but, but I, I need to live in this particular area and I can't move because I, I'm, I'm well established here. Or I trust in you, Jesus, but I, I need people to see me a particular way. Levi leaves it all behind. He says, you know, I'm going to follow you and who you say I am, that's who I am. What you say I do, that's what I do. And I'm going to follow you. Family, Jesus is worth following. And Jesus is calling you and me to follow without hesitation, with abandon, completely, solely. And for some of you, there are things and commitments that are popping into your mind as, as I say, you know, following Jesus. And, and these are the things that you know hold you back from committing fully. You know, sometimes we talk about what does it look like to live a life of purity and it's not so much doing this and not doing this as much it is as it is 
having your heart aligned and committed to Jesus alone. Jesus is calling you and me to live our lives committed to Jesus alone. And that that goes for anyone who just starts out like Levi, beginning his ministry, to those of us who have been walking with Jesus for years. Because there's always a temptation to look back or look to the side and say, yes, I follow Jesus, but also this over here. Levi followed Jesus. How else does he respond? He brings his friends. Look at verse 29 with me. Levi made a great feast in the house and there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table with them. We, he may have done other things, but the first thing that we see him do is throw a party and invite him, his friends to see Jesus. Now, if you've grown up in the church, and especially some of the, those of you who have lived longer than, than some of us, you've seen focuses on evangelism, reaching your neighbors, reaching lost, and there have been different techniques, different tools. And so sometimes when we think of expanding the kingdom or extending the kingdom, we think of, okay, I, I have to go door to door and, and invite people to talk about two ways to live. Or I have to go to the, the university um, common area and preach open air gospel message. Or I have to make sure that I can talk to my coworkers about the God test. And, and if you don't know what any of that is, that's okay. Because what the reality is, Jesus drew people to himself and his disciples drew people to Jesus before there were techniques, before there was a 10-step process, before there was a a visual aid, before there was a, a, a DVD that you can take a group through. Jesus said, come and follow me. And his disciples said, hey guys, come and see who I've met. Extending the kingdom is as easy and as simple as inviting your friends, inviting your family, inviting your coworkers to come and meet Jesus. Now, what does that mean for us? If we threw a party here, we wouldn't have necessarily, I mean, Jesus could show up and that'd be awesome and that would take a turn, but, but he wouldn't necessarily be physically here. But so what does it look like for you and I to engage our friends, family, coworkers and, and bring them to Jesus? Well, it means inviting them to church. It means being willing to say, not I've got all the answers, not I can fix all your problems, but just, hey, this person that's in my life is very important to me, and I want you to meet him because I think he could be very important to you as well. It means joining a small group and being in real community with other people so that you have a place to draw your friends and say, hey, I have this group of people and we meet every other week or we meet weekly and it's really encouraging to me because we all know Jesus and we're all living our lives committed to him, trying to live in a way that would please him and I think it would mean a lot to you if you met him. It means being in your word, in in the Bible and, and reading what God, what Jesus has to say to you and to me so that we can say in conversation, you know what, I heard, I heard something that was really helpful to me. Jesus said to me, such and such. It doesn't mean that you have to be weird. It doesn't mean that you have to be up on the latest technology or the latest technique. Those things can be helpful. But at the end of the day, extending this kingdom is being willing to say, come and meet this person that I know. Come and meet Jesus. And, and we know what that looks like because when... You, you pick your favorite hobby or you pick your favorite pastime, we do that naturally for other things. 
You know, for me, it's probably food. <laughs> oh, you got to try this. You know, we had Taco Bamba last Tuesday at, 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 uh, at work, and, and I, I, w- I told several people about Taco Bamba, and I had no uh, reservations about telling them, hey, this restaurant, it was awesome, the tacos were on point, the guacamole was delicious, and I was evangelizing for Taco Bamba because I enjoyed it, and I wanted other people to enjoy it. Some of you enjoy video games and you want other people to enjoy it and you talk about video games. Some of you enjoy uh, makeup and you follow YouTubers who talk about makeup and these brands and those things and, and, and you invite people into that. And, and it's, it's the same thing with Jesus. And the reason that we don't evangelize sometimes, and, and guys, I'm, I'm there with you sometimes, the reason we don't evangelize isn't necessarily because we don't have the right technique as much as it's we don't feel the same kind of interest and commitment to Jesus that we do to these other things. And because we aren't following Jesus, we're not calling other people to follow Jesus with us. And that's why we look at, at Levi and see that he starts by following Jesus. Un, un, undistracted, undivided, following Jesus himself. And then he draws people in. That's his response. But how do the Pharisees respond? Look on with me. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at, uh, at Jesus' disciples, saying, what, Why do you eat and drink with the tax collectors and sinners? Now, as we've seen in the other two uh, stories, Luke kind of does this literally. Uh, not literally, literarily. He, he compresses his stories. And so this kind of looks at first blush like, that the Pharisees are at the party and it's like, well, why are you at the party? But probably that's not what's going on. Probably the party happened and then the Pharisees came afterwards because we, we understand that they, they didn't approve of this party. They didn't want to be around these tax collectors. So it's likely just as a way of clarification that they were not at the party, but afterwards they approached the disciples and say, hey, I heard that you guys were at this party. I wasn't there, but, but I heard. And, and I want to ask, why are you guys, if you're so holy, why are you having food and, and, and drink with, he says, uh, sinners and tax collectors. And you know, as a side note, that, that it's a bad profession if it's like sinners and also tax collectors. Like we have to have a separate, ca- separate category of evil for that. So whereas, whereas Levi came up under the lordship of Jesus Christ, the Pharisees stood in judgment over Jesus Christ. And, and you and I, we are in danger of, of, of coming into judgment of Jesus Christ when we look at, at the people around us and say, mm, I don't know if Jesus, could, I don't know if Jesus could, could reach that person. And I, I don't know that, that any of us would openly say that, but I imagine for us, there are those individuals in our lives for whom we would say, mm, sinner tax collector, that category over here. And, and those are the people, and for some of it's, it's, it's family members, because sometimes it can be the hardest to believe God and believe him for your, <clears throat> your family, me- excuse me, your family members. For some of it's, it's our coworkers, because we know how they live on Fridays. And we think, yeah, I know that Jesus went to parties on Fridays and he, he saved sinners and tax collectors, but he, haven't, he hasn't seen the parties that my coworkers go to. Well... The, the, the Pharisees stood in judgment against Jesus and the people that Jesus pursued. They, they felt like it was inappropriate to pursue these people. 
And, and if we're not careful, we can, we can find ourselves not engaging in this commitment to extend the community, not because we're scared, not because we're worried, but because we stand in judgment over the people that God wants to, to meet. And, and God invites us and he puts people in our life for us to trust, not, not our own ability to bring them to salvation, not, not because Eddie Barnes, you're so persuasive or, you know, person who, who's watching, you're so persuasive, but because God and his word, God is powerful and he's able to change hearts. In fact, he's the only one who can change hearts. You know what Levi doesn't do is he doesn't convert these, these sinners and tax collectors. He brings them to Jesus And we can believe that Jesus did his job. Sometimes when we think of extending the kingdom, we get it in reverse. We think, Jesus, you you bring the people to me and I will, I'll share the gospel and make them get saved. And it's the opposite. Jesus, no, no, how about this? You just go talk to your friends and tell them about me and I'll do the hard labor. I will fix their heart, their hardened heart. And we want to say, well, I can't, I can't share the gospel with these people because they're not going to listen to me and I can't save them. No, you can't save them. You can't save them. Let me just take you and put you off the hook. You can't save anyone, but Jesus can. And you can introduce your friends, your families, your enemies, your coworkers, your neighbors, strangers, grocery store workers, Waiters, you can introduce these people to Jesus. You don't have to be weird. You don't have to carry around tracts. You, you don't have to do... You can, if you can live a life where you are actually following Jesus, then it will come naturally for you to say, hey, I'm following this guy and this is how he's changing my life. Can I introduce you to him? The Pharisees stood in judgment and, and let's see how Jesus responds. Jesus answers them, right? He, they ask the disciples, they say, you know, why are you guys doing this? And Jesus is like, hold on guys, I'll answer. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And you can hear those words dripping with irony because the Pharisees needed Jesus. Anyone who wants to stand in judgment over God needs repentance, but there's something that attracts God when, when sinners are honest about their sin and they're willing to come under the lordship of Jesus Christ. They're willing to submit their lives to Jesus. You know, there's something about this that I think probably hardened the Pharisees' hearts because they didn't want to be told that they had a sickness. They wanted to say, I am okay. And so Jesus kind of plays along. He says, you know what? I didn't come to to heal people who are well, I came to heal sick people. The irony is that they were sick and in need. And, and Levi was the one who actually understood his need. And, and if, you're, if you're here and you think that this, you know, you're hearing this message and you think, oh, that's a great message for my neighbor. That's a great message for my spouse. That's a great message for my son or daughter. Let me pause and let me tell you, this might be a great message for you. This might be a message that, that you don't want to stand in judgment against, but, but you need to come under the lordship of Jesus Christ. You need to hear these words for your own life. I know that I need to hear them for my life. Jesus responds and says, 
I've come to bring repentance to sinners. I've come, in other places he says, to, to set the captives free. I've come to, to save sinners. Jesus has come to save sinners. And he's invited you and me into the process of ushering people into the kingdom, of, of inviting them in to experience this righteousness, this righteousness that he talks about, inviting them to be saved. This is the privilege that you and I have. This is the privilege that you have online of just texting someone or, or messaging them on Facebook and saying, hey, join me next Sunday, online.church. GraceCovST.online.church. That's it, not.com. This is the privilege that we have to share the good news, to experience the power of God in Jesus Christ, to experience his, his encouragement through biblical community, and then to extend the kingdom by just saying, I follow Jesus, would you follow me? How is Luke calling you to respond today? Right? Luke, he wrote this for us with a point in mind, with a purpose in mind. And I would say that, that if you follow Jesus, then, then you can't just stop there. You have to bring others to Jesus. And if you struggle to bring others to Jesus, it might be because you aren't following him as wholeheartedly as he would invite you to do. And if that's the case, if you aren't following him wholeheartedly, then my encouragement to you is that there is repentance for sinners today. That you can say, Jesus, there are things in my life that have prevented me from being willing to tell people about you, and I want to turn away from those things, whether it's my own sense of uh, well-being or being embarrassed or coming off as, as a, a, a religious weirdo or, or whatever it is, or not wanting to offend and I'm not saying go and be offensive, but, but the gospel is offensive because nobody wants to be told that they're wrong. But you have to start with the bad news to get to the good news. And so if you're here and, and you struggle to, to do the simple thing of inviting your friends to Jesus, my encouragement to you is to go to look them in the eyes, metaphorically speaking, and say, I'm sorry. Help me to follow you better. Lord, I want to experience your presence more. I want to hear you more clearly and in a powerful way through your word. I want to know you more. And as you pray that, I want you to think about the people that you love, the, the people that you interact with, and say, Jesus, who, who can I invite to meet you? And he will provide ways for you to, to get connected to other people and bring them to Jesus. Follow Jesus and introduce your friends, your family, your coworkers. This is what we're called to do, family. It's not, it's not complicated. We get to experience a real relationship with Jesus Christ. We get to experience that relationship with Jesus Christ in the context of loving, growing, forgiving relationships with one another in this local church body. And we get to invite other people to the party. That's, that's what we're doing. That's what we want to do. And sometimes we do it well and sometimes we do it poorly. But there is grace, grace, grace. But don't be discouraged and don't quit because it's hard or it's embarrassing or it's challenging. Because it is worthwhile to see people go from death to life. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you invite us into the ministry of telling people and inviting people to Jesus. And Lord, I confess my own soul that I have been timid in this area that I have not always been as willing to just step out on a limb and invite people and in part it has been because I have needed to follow you more closely and it's been in part because I have not wanted to be embarrassed or, uh, or offensive 
And God, I pray that you would change my heart and change the hearts of, of those around us so that we would be committed to following you wholeheartedly. If you have never followed Jesus, if you never committed your life to following him, to living, uh, as I said, under his lordship, and what that means is him being not just a savior, but a, a lord, a master, someone who dictates to you how you live your life. If you've never trusted him to take away your sins by his perfect life, his sacrificial death, and his resurrection, today is the day to do that. And if if that's you, I would love to pray for you. If you could just raise your hand and I'll pray with you. If you're online, you can let one of our chat hosts know. And there's nothing magical in the prayer, but what we're doing is responding to what God is doing. God initiates and we respond. So if that's you, I'll just encourage you to pray this. Pray, dear God, I turn away from everything I know to be sin. And I turn to you, Jesus. And I trust not my own ability to perform well, but I trust what you've already done through your life and your death and your resurrection, that that's enough to make me right with God, to have a relationship with God, to be adopted into your family, and to follow you. And I want to follow you the rest of my life. If that's you, let someone know. We want to help you walk out this walk of faith. We want to help you stay connected and grow because God wants you to grow up. He wants you to to experience him at, at deeper and more powerful levels. Family, let's be on mission. Let's not forget what success looks like. Let's be about experiencing Christ encountering him in in a unique way through the word, through worship, through fellowship. Let's be about biblical community, being committed to one another. And let's be about extending the kingdom of God in, in our own spheres where God has placed us. Would you do that with me, family? All right, love you.